The Kyrie KD era now appears to be over. It's over. K is for the way I kill your dreams. Why do you think I would help your team? Are you really desperate? I am the guy to test it. E is even more dysfunction kicking in the door. And I bring chaos everywhere I go. Are you ready for goodwill to implode? V-I-N, Vax, I'm not doing no. all your dreams. They lay in ruin. G, because I blame the Jews. Um, it's spelled with a J. J? No, that's not how it's spelled. I really don't think that. That's a, that's a global conspiracy. Everybody knows it's spelled with a G. I saw it on Alex Jones, you sheeple. Ha-ha! Happy Valentine's Day, and remember, love yourself most of all. A Fear the Fro special presentation. I'm unhappy. Let's make changes. Time to roster. Rearrange it. Blow it up. A hypothetical trade. That's what we're here to talk about in depth today. A blow it up. Yes. Pack your house. Pack your wife. Pack your kids. Pack your dog. Pack your whole damn life. Blow it up. A boom. Coming in. Sending out. Player here. Picks there. Dream big. Penises out. Blow it up. A Fear the Fro trade exploration. What the hell was that? Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. This is sort of a trade exploration podcast, so I decided to roll out the open one more time since this will be it before the trade deadline on the 9th. But it is also a game preview as the Cavaliers head into this matchup against the Pistons. And to prepare for that, I'm bringing on a guest, just a good guy, Bryce Simon of the Pistons Pulse podcast, a friend. I've actually met him. I've had dinner. I've dined with his family. He let me around his children despite the smut. I pedal on my Twitter page at Fear the Fro Pod. And yeah, let's get him on here. All right. So joining me on the podcast now as we come up on this game against the Pistons is my favorite co host of the Pistons Pulse, a two time guest on this podcast. Already back for more as we head into the second game between the Cavs and the Pistons this season. Bryce Simon joining me. Bryce, thanks for carving out a little bit of time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob, man. You are my favorite non-Pistons podcast <laughs> person in the business. All right. And that's only because I do have a co-host, Omari Sankova. And if you met Omari, I don't even know if I'd be your favorite of the of the Pistons podcast. Well, I haven't. Um, so. <laughs> real talk, Bob. Families have met. We've been out to dinner, supper. Um, people make fun of me for saying supper. I don't know if people in Cleveland say supper or not. But um, it, it's great to be here to talk NBA with you, man. Great to have you. Great to have you. And yeah, my my dad would always say uh, supper. I think over time, I just, I've fallen into that habit where I'm not even eating at regular intervals. It's <laughs> yes. like, you know, my lunch is at 2.30 and then I have dinner at 10 p.m. or whatever. So I don't label anything. I just shovel it all in my mouth, Bryce. Yes. It was great to to get to spend some time with you. It's That's one of my favorite parts about this whole podcasting is de- endeavor is kind of meeting the guys who are as passionate as as I am about the teams that they cover and and making those connections. And it was great to uh, to to meet your family and spend some time with you and to be able to know who I can go to when I want to talk Pistons. It really is a part of all of this that I didn't anticipate whenever I started doing this a couple of years ago. I have so many friends, you know, contacts, people I meet, had dinners with, 
know my family now. It really is a really cool community, um, podcasters, writers, et cetera, et cetera. It's a tertiary part that has a big meaning um, for me and it sounds like for you as well. Oh, for sure. As we approach the trade deadline coming up on Thursday here, for the Pistons, I think the thing is people look at them. They look at where they're at in terms of, you know, this season is more of a rebuilding developmental type season. And they wonder, is there anything to be had there? Is there opportunities to pluck guys that make sense for both teams? I was curious as to what you're hearing as we walk up to this deadline in terms of the names most likely to be moved, if any, for the Pistons, and maybe some of the rumors that either interest you or annoy you in terms of just saying, okay, that's not realistic at all. The Pistons would have no desire to do that. Is there anyone on your roster that you expect to be on the move before the deadline? So there's a couple names that aren't super interesting that I don't think are on the roster post-trade deadline, and that's Nerlens Noel and Corey Joseph. So if we just want to start with names that I'm like, I don't think these dudes are on the team, those are two of them. And the thing, though, is, Bob, like, I'm not even sure it's trades. Like, they may just have to buy those guys out because there isn't a trade to be had. We had Keith Smith. If you guys don't know who Keith Smith is, he's incredible. He's all over Twitter, at Keith Smith NBA. We had him on the pod a couple weeks ago, and he was like, we were like, what's the trade market for Nerlens Noel? He's like, the buyout market. That's that's the market for Nerlens Noel is the buyout market. I, I think maybe there could be a second round pick there somewhere. But the, the hot names, Bob, are Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. And those are probably the guys that your listeners and, and probably even you want to talk in about more than Nerlens Noel or Corey Joseph. I think Nerlens is one of those weird positions where you know, the Cavs have had to go that route, too, with Drummond, where they had a, a big contract in him. They thought maybe they could get something for him. In the end, it didn't materialize and they had to buy him out. But Nerlens is not. He's on a big contract for his role with your team, but not yeah. in terms of NBA contracts. Because to be no. making shy of $10 million, to be a, a pretty solid defender who just happens to be alongside a number one draft choice, like a first round draft pick for you who you're trying to develop. It's not a good situation for him, but just a week ago, I was doing a podcast with Danny Morang from the Jack Ramsey's, the trailblazers. And he was talking about how they're looking for a more versatile kind of mobile front court defender. And to me, the idea of being able to take on Nerlens when he has a team option next year, you could walk yep. away this summer. If you wanted a second round pick for Nerlens does not seem like, too much to ask for me. I mean, the Blazers are one of the teams that have been reported. And so, like, I, I don't know what to think because Keith was like, buyout market. And then there's the Blazers, the Kings, the Heat, the Mavs, the Nuggets, Sixers, Celtics, like all these teams that have been talked about who may be interested. And I'm like, is this just Troy Weaver and the Pistons that are trying to drum up like, hey, look at all these teams that want Nerlens Noel. You better not think you're going to play the buyout market with him. Because we know that's how stuff works in the NBA, right? Like whatever we're being told is like 25% of the truth. I'm kind of with you though. I'm like, surely someone, second round picks go here and there all over the place. I can't imagine someone isn't like, he's a good enough defender. We can play him 10 minutes a night in emergency situations in the playoffs and he'll help us win a couple games. I mean, look at how many people just sell off second round picks. But it's funny you bring up yes. the, the, the posturing of the, the asking prices, you know, because a couple of months ago, Boyan will cost you, you know, two first round picks. <laughs> one has to be largely unprotected. Then I see the story start to pick up of like, look, we're not, we're not trying to move him, period. Today, I saw a three-way rumor that involved Boyan and 
Bagley and Nerlens going to Philadelphia and Aaron Tobias Harris going to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers with Furkan Korkmaz and then the Lakers sending Westbrook in a salary dump and a first round pick and some second round compensation to Detroit. And so, you know, you see these <laughs> names pop up. I've always felt from the beginning, and I've said this on, on this podcast, that Boyan, I think people, especially Cavs fans, like take him out of the running. He can't be had for less than a first round pick and the Cavs don't have first round picks to be traded. But beyond that, I don't think there's any urgency to move him. I, what you just said is how I feel about it. I'm very open to moving Boyan Bogdanovich, but I want the right deal. I'm not undervaluing him. I'm not selling him for less than what I think he is worth. For me, it's a significant first round pick and a somewhat intriguing young prospect. If I'm crazy, if that's too much, then I'll just bring Boyan back next year and let him score 20 points on a team that's probably trying to win some games. As funny as that may sound to Cavs fans. No, I mean, things can turn quickly. And and not to mention, your team, I mean, Cade has played 12 games. Bagley's been out since the beginning of January. It's not as if you haven't had your injury issues on your end either. I feel like people consistently forget how important Cade Cunningham is to this team. I realize Cade's not like an all-star yet. He's still the best player on the team, Bob. He is the heart and soul, the unquestioned face of the franchise. And any team who loses that player is going to go through some struggles, especially a team whose overall talent wasn't that great to begin with. Well, now, how much of the focus amongst Pistons fandom has turned towards the draft? Yes, the fan base has started to turn to the draft. Over at the, the, the Pistons Pulse podcast, me and Amari and Wes have been joking like, how long can we hold off? How long can we hold <laughs> off? How long? You know, it's like, let's do the trade deadline, and then we probably just got to start doing draft stuff. But Victor would obviously, I think he's generational, Bob. I don't know what you think about him. Like, that word gets thrown around a lot. He's 7'5 with legit shooting, ball handling, all of that stuff, plus defense. I think he's generational. Scoot is my number two guy. I don't think Scoot is generational. I don't like whenever I see that thrown around about Scoot, but I think he's really good. He is very polarizing with Detroit Pistons fans, Bob, because it's like, we already have Cade. We already have Ivy. Do we add you know, Scoot to this mix as well? I say yes, because I'm best player available. And then, yeah, there's Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore and the Thompson twins and a whole bunch of wings that come around after that. I'm intrigued by Scoot just in the sense of, even if you have other guards, if he's clearly the second best talent, in a way, it's like how p- football fans talk about, well, you got to take advantage while a guy's on a rookie deal. It just kicks the can down the road, essentially, because at least gives you options if if you decide you don't want to meet the extension costs of a Sadiq Bay or a Killian Hayes, because as those guys approach those decisions... I mean, even Bay, I'm hearing Bay's name so much, and I, I look at him on paper. You know, he does 15 and 5. Like, he doesn't seem like a bad player. I realize there's some redundancy with Boyan, but to come up to this summer where he'll be extension eligible, what do we do with him? Do we trade him? Even knowing next year he makes less than $5 million a year, he would be a value contract for any team, but it's just a question of, okay, well, for a team in a rebuilding mode, how much money do we want to commit to people who are outside the core? Sadiq's very polarizing as well, Bob, because he's like a shooter who hasn't shot the ball well up until the last month. Now, he's been on a little bit of a heater and he's been shooting it really well, but I believe it was James Edwards III, the Pistons beat writer for The Athletic. I think it was in his article. He actually had a quote that Bay was actually the most gettable Detroit Piston. Maybe they're, you know, like we talked, you know, maybe they're posturing here. They're making it 
Everything that comes out is we're very happy bringing Boyan back next year. And there's been more Alec Burke's extension talks than Alec Burke trade talks. And so they are very much like, we're keeping these vets. We want to win next year. Maybe you can interest uh, you know, us with the Sadiq Bay trade. I find Bay intriguing because here's the issue with the Cavs, right? The Cavs are, first of all, they're humming. Bickerstaff has tightened up their rotation. He's taken Kevin Love out of the rotation altogether. So we're running eight to nine guys at most, and we're getting excellent play out of all the people that were question marks earlier in the season. Okoro, Osman, both playing very well. Dean Wade back in the lineup. Rubio really starting to find a rhythm. Now you look at who the Cavs have to trade in terms of expiring money. There's their no trade four, which is Garland, Mitchell, Allen, Mobley. Those guys aren't going to be in any conversations. Okoro is playing his way out of any trade talks. He's gotten better every month. And this month, he's shooting over 80%. He's knocking down threes. He's played phenomenal. Had 20 points in, you know, two games ago and had another great night last night. So uh, it, it's one of those situations, though, where the only real assets they have to move are Osman, Okoro, who they're not going to move. And you have Levert, who Levert is playing pretty well. He's not everything that people want all the time. But the question is, are you going to bring back something that's better than him. You know, if you trade him, it's with the idea that you weren't intending to extend him. So I like Bay because Bay's salary slots closer to the only guy who I would probably jump to get rid of, which is Dylan Windler. And I can't see, you know, Windler in a second. Would that get it done? I don't know. Yeah, well, Bay's just weird because my thing is, who would give up a first? I don't think a team would give up a first round pick. One. I can't see why. And, Not knowing he's got to be paid, and he's he's struggling to carve out a big role on a team with your issue. No offense, but like with the that's issues not very good. That's not very good. We yeah. can we can be straight up about <laughs> they're not very good. Yeah, he he comes off the bench for a team that's not very good. And the other thing is, he hasn't been good defensively. Like I think about him for you guys and the conversations we've had about your team and. It's like, okay, you need a guy that can make shots but also defend at the three, which it sounds like is, I mean, is that that's what Okoro's doing now? Okoro's like, thriving. Yeah, and even Osmond. Yeah. Osmond, for a guy who's been perennially kind of a doormat on the defensive end, these last few games, he's had chase down blocks. He's picked people's pockets. He's, take, he's, he's got offensive fouls called for fighting through screens, things that you just don't expect to see from Osmond uh, that has kind of made it. A week ago, I was discussing every pod, some – iteration of Levert or Osman going out the door for a trade and all the criticisms that came in some of these fourth quarter collapses and games that kind of went away from once the Cavs had a 40 point lead on the Clippers it has been smooth sailing for this fan base since even on a back-to-back last night they beat the Wizards handily and their margin of victory I mean their net rating this month is north of 19 uh, which is insane (laughs) because league leading net rating is like a six so a lot of it is schedule dictated. The Cavs might be playing too good to, for anyone to even make anything that they consider a risky trade. To me, like that would make a lot of sense, though. Like a Lavert and a Osman or Lavert. It sounds like Okoro is playing too well to be traded, but it, it's a smaller sample size. It's not like he's playing great all year. It's basically been with Okoro. He has now been tasked with shutting down guards primarily. They've stopped trying to force him to guard guys who are much bigger than him. And his efficiency, his his confidence is where it seems to have really taken a turn because his three-point shooting has gone up just every single month since the season started. He started the season 
He missed his first 12 three-point attempts through 12 games. Didn't make a single shot. In January, 16-game sample, so a pretty reasonably big sample, shot 48% from outside the arc and shot 53% from the floor. And this month, it's only a three-game sample, but he's shooting 71% from three-point land and 80% from the field. So he's, I mean, he's stringing together just some incredibly effective basketball to the point where even if they did decide to trade Levert, I can't imagine it would bring back anyone who would displace Okoro's role, or excuse me, Levert or or Osman. I don't think it would bring back anyone who would displace the starting lineup spot for for an Okoro. He's been that good. It it reminds me of the way I felt watching Hayes earlier in the season when he was forced into action. And you know that, uh, which brings me. I went, I went on a little rant. I went on a little rant about Killian Hayes on this week's episode. Well, I heard you guys talking about it, and I, and I guess I hadn't really thought too much about. They put him on the bench. They had him coming off the bench, and Burks playing. And I guess when I saw that, I thought maybe, well, maybe they're showcasing Burks. You know, it's coming up on the trade deadline. Maybe they just, but it didn't impact his minutes all that significantly. Um, and and where are people at in terms? Of Killian because he's doing something like 12 and 7 over the last couple months, which seems reasonably good based on what the expectations were at the beginning of this season. Yeah, he's the most polarizing player in the fan base, Bob. Dwayne Case, if here's the thing if you want engagement with Pistons Twitter, either one, Dwayne Casey, that's the top. If you want engagement, bring up Dwayne Casey, head coach Dwayne Casey. Number two, bring up Killian Hayes. Your tweet is going to pop off. You're going to get comments, quote tweets. People will be in your DMs with all sorts of stuff. Like, it's just, it, it, it is what it is. Um, he's been much better, as you just said, than what anybody expected coming into the season, especially after a horrific first 10 games of the year. He had a really good stretch of basketball He's still not playing up to number seven overall pick, but eventually you detach those labels to players, in my opinion. I think he can be a really good second unit point guard in this league. He hasn't been great the last 10. He actually had a really good game on Monday night. He he truly did play well, but the fan base freaked out. They they moved him to the bench. The, the, the lineup needed, like, it just needed a change, Bob. It wasn't the only thing. Bay was starting and he moved Isaiah Stewart into the starting back into the starting lineup after he had set out with injury. The thing that people freak out about with Killian Hayes is, and this is what I really got heated on the podcast, was they think he just has to be in this perfect vacuum of a situation. You gotta have him with the lob threat. You gotta have him with shooters, or it's just completely unfair to him. And me and Omari's point was not every role player gets to play in their absolute perfect vacuum of a situation. And if Killian still can't be good, no matter what the situation is, then how good of an NBA player is he? So um, he's just very polarizing. I still am intrigued by him and I love the improvements we've seen this season. I share some of those frustrations sometimes when people get on the coach about the failings of players in the rotation. And, and I think you, you, we see a lot of that in the Cavs fan base too. We see a lot of JB taking bullets for when the the bench comes up and drops a goose egg, you know, or where they have a terrible game and it's like, well, you suck. What are you doing with the rotate? At some point, it's kind of on the guys to perform with what they have because the roster's not changing. That's what I say. It's it's either the roster, it's either the, the dudes that are playing, like play better get off the bench or it's the GM's fault. Give coach better players. And like, I'm a coach. So I feel like sometimes I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, this must be biased. Like I'm a coach. So I see it from this perspective, you know, and I'm with you. It's, it's funny that the Cavs are as good as they are. And the, the, you know, the fan base still is going to, I had a question. Cause so like, if you guys play the Boston Celtics, 
who guards Jason Tatum? Well, I think you would see kind of a group effort. I mean, in earlier parts of the season, the Cavs did win twice against the Celtics already okay. this season. So you saw them doing a lot of switching. You'll have Levert will will take his task there. You'll see Okoro didn't do it a ton. You got a lot of Mobley okay. taking Tatum, depending on if they would try to deny him the ball a lot. And then if he'd get it, I mean, he saw a variety of looks, uh, essentially. And that was still at a point where Lamar has kind of found his way out of the rotation. But earlier, we went through a stretch where JB was starting him in large part to match him up against guys like Durant and Giannis and Luca and and some of the bigger wings. So I think you'll see a lot of a Coro, you'll see a lot of Avert, Levert, and you'll see a lot of Dean Wade uh, with Mobley taking him for stretches too. Uh, Mobley, he's all over the place. Like there, he's really had an unbelievable 2023. His usage is now up over 24% this month. It was up over 20 last month. This was for a guy who was barely getting to double-digit shot attempts. And in the past month and a half now, I know it's not a half a month, February 7th, but when we're taping this, but still, he's become a much bigger part of their offense. And part of that is because Mitchell has been fighting through this groin injury. His numbers have somewhat fallen off a cliff, but it okay, always yeah. it, it almost seems as if it's coming at the benefit of the offense as a whole because the ball is moving. No, it's not sticking. It was a lot of change in ISOs with Darius and Donovan for much of the early part of this season. And I look at it now and I think, okay, Rubio is getting up to speed. You got Garland ascending at this moment. He he seems to be playing with a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get an all-star uh, yep. spot. And then Mitchell, he looked good last night. He's looks kind of like he doesn't have that explosiveness since the groin injury. But last night against the Wizards, he came out hot to begin that game. And I got to feel like, okay, that end of January where he was hampered by the injuries and by the flu and all that stuff, I think it may have proven to be beneficial for our team because everybody has been more involved. And if you look at the last few games for the Cavs, you're getting five, six guys, the whole starting lineup in double digits, just balance that didn't exist before. No, I love it. Like sometimes it's funny how that will happen where a little injury or, you know, a little tweak here and there, it opens it up for the rest of the roster. And then, you know, maybe Spida sees like, hey, these guys have a little bit more to their game or just allowed them to get some confidence, right? Like they they had to take on that usage and they got confident. My question about guarding Tatum just came from like, obviously aspirations, I assume in Cleveland are Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals. Like that's what that's what you guys are looking for. And so I'm thinking about who you have to go through. and. Who guards Tatum? Who guards Giannis? Who guards Luka if, if, you know, if you get to the end, NBA Finals? And I wasn't sure if Mobley was like... The thing is, yeah. there's a little worry with me that Allen and Mobley are ridiculous. But if you get a big who constantly attacks the rim, if you get a big who knows how to draw fouls, I think you have to go the, okay, give them different looks, in part just to hide guys like Mobley and Allen from being taken out of the game because we don't have a lot behind them. And even in the game where they beat the Pacers, Miles Turner in the first quarter got two quick fouls on having two relatively quick ones. Now he reined it in, but he had three before the half. And then in the second half, he got it under control. Uh, in general, I don't want to put him in a position where he's tasked as the primary defender having to stop because so much of his ability comes from catching guys unaware, his quick rotations, yeah. how savvy he is. And you, you don't unlock all of that stuff. I mean, you can make guys have difficult looks all the time. But the other interesting stat to see, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, 
But what Isaac Okoro is doing with the primary wing guys right now, what he's holding people to, whether it be, you know, John Morant or Drew Holiday or some of these elite guys has been unbelievable to the point where he's found a way to stop fouling too. He was struggling early in the season where he was playing too physical. And that hasn't been an issue since he's put put into the starting lineup to the point where you look at it now and you're like, okay, between his work on the perimeter, between Mitchell's long arms and ability to get into passing lanes, and between what Allen and Mobley together are doing, it's very promising. I feel very good about that. Now, Boston didn't have Robert Williams when we played them either time. So he's back into the mix. Who knows what, but, but to me... If they get home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, which they're now in thanks to, you know, Brooklyn falling to the Clippers <laughs> last night. And seemingly, I mean, if Durant's out for much longer, I think the Cavs can take control of that. And then you you get to the second round. In my book, it's house money. There's no easy okay. matchups in the second round. If you have to face Philly or Milwaukee, who appear to be in the same part of the bracket at the moment then they've got two monster bigs that are going to be difficult for anyone to stop. If you have to face Boston, yeah, you beat them twice in the regular season, but that's the regular season. I feel great about this tighter rotation from JB. And for all the bullets that Bickerstaff has taken, I don't think it's an easy thing to take a Kevin Love and just pluck him out of the rotation altogether, especially in his fi- the final year on his contract. So for JB to do that, that gained a massive amount of respect from me because I did feel like he was running him when he was very ineffective for far too long. But whatever it took, at some point, JB decided, listen, we're going we're gonna to prioritize Dean. We're going to give him the first look. And it's paying dividends right now. You know, Kevin Love could still play a role in the playoffs for you guys, right? Like a, a veteran like him is going to stay engaged and be ready. Well, and that's the thing too, is ever since the hand injury, Uh, that he's been playing through he had a good first month this season but he just he's really fallen off a cliff since mid to late December to the point where it it got to the point where he was shooting too much he wasn't he was still rebounding I'll give him that and he's one of the best outlet passers in the NBA even now uh, looking getting the guy out in front finding the guy full court there's nobody better at it but I I wonder if it's not beneficial to him to just have some rest because he he's not what he was last year, but part of that could be health. Part of that could be just trying to get his hand right. And I'm hoping that with him being taken out of the rotation, one of two things will happen. Either this will work so well that we won't miss him, or at some point he'll be called upon and he'll be fresh and his hand will have a little bit of a chance to to heal. And And I don't know if that's the case. I mean, he hasn't complained, but my hope is that this rotation will work so well that we won't even be second guessing these choices. There's already been talks that they would extend him in the offseason. They'd sign him to a new deal, um, which I'm assuming would be at a very cheap price because yeah, of his I age. hope so. <laughs> um, but, there, but when a guy's on a $30 million contract, there is a big chunk of the fan base that's like, well, shit, we're not even playing him. Should we try yep. to bring back a couple of rotation players? $30 million, you could absorb Burks, Noel, and, you know, like you, and, could, yeah. you could take multiple guys. Would, could we, can we find someone who's trying to get off money? But there's not as many teams that are looking to just take on massive expirings anymore. I don't know who that team around the league, like the Spurs are like the Spurs already have money. I think the Spurs need to like bring. Yeah, they, they're going to they, have to get to the salary floor. Yeah, anyone who takes them on, I think you have to find a team that has an asset they're trying to get off, like a like a Gordon Hayward. Maybe they don't want to pay him the final year of his deal, or or a player that is just on a, a huge bad deal, but it might be slightly more productive than Love. You know, and there's Ben not, Simmons. There, ben Simmons. Oh God. 
<laughs> obviously that fits the criteria, but that is not what we're looking for. That's not what I'd rather just like keep Kevin Love on one of those courtesy contracts next season. What did you think of the Kyrie trade, by the way? So it was crazy how fast it happened. Uh, the way my mind works, for whatever reason, my first thought was, what does this mean for Kevin Durant? Like that was what, like, is K, because we, I was like, man, it's only Monday. They have time to go trade Kevin Durant now too if, if KD's not happy. I think what it speaks to, because Kyrie's still a good on-the-court basketball player, right? Yep. The return wasn't, I think Brooklyn probably got it as much as they could, you know, would be my guess. It's crazy to me. That's all you can get for Kyrie Irving. Like it just speaks to all the other stuff around Kyrie. I think it also speaks to how less valuable players are when they're on an expiring contract like Kyrie is. I've I've heard a lot of really good points about the Mavericks with Kyrie. Everybody's like, oh, they went all in. And yes, they gave up a 2029 first and a couple of really solid rotation players. If this blows up, though, they can let Kyrie walk, get rid of Christian Wood, and they can actually have like $30 million in cap space this summer. The sad part is, though, 30 million now buys you Jalen Brunson, you no, know, no, like it, it's who they should have just kept Bob. Know, like if, if they just kept Jalen Brunson, but I've heard a lot of situation. people say that he just wouldn't have come back anyway. Oh, hey, really? I, I would have fought like hell though, because losing a guy like that and you know, you have no replacement. Ability. Overpay him then overpay yeah. him. Yeah. Like, and maybe he just didn't want to play with Luca. Well, maybe he like, wanted his own team that he got to run. Yeah. If that's the case. And I know his dad works for yes. the Knicks. They hired him probably to get Jalen in there, but even yeah. so, I don't know if he would have – that's what I hear from a lot of Mavs fans is them say like, well, I don't think he would have come back here anyway. But I would have done – I would have promised that guy whatever I needed. Because it's one of those scenarios where you you can't let a guy walk off the books even because then you don't even have that money to work with when you're over the cap. I also saw on Twitter just before we started recording, and I have no idea who it came from, so it could be not good. But that they were in talks with like the Suns about trying to bring in DeAndre Ayton. now. Do they have the assets to do that? I don't know, but all of a sudden, like it's that gets interesting. That team plays no defense. They're they're not guarding anybody in Dallas the rest of the year. No, I mean they definitely since given up Finney Smith and Dinwiddie. They, I I just keep hearing them talk about well we've got to address some defense around these guys. Like getting yeah. buckets is not going to be a problem with these two guys here. But I I kind of felt I looked at it like this. This is what I said on the podcast. The Cavs were in a very similar situation with LeBron's first time in Cleveland. They got too good, too fast. They didn't have good draft picks to use. They didn't have salary cap space because they spent a ton on Larry Hughes. And from there, they were just shuffling deck chairs until eventually LeBron dipped. Is Kyrie a lunatic? Absolutely. Is he a good basketball player? Absolutely. Is it a huge risk? Yes. But if anyone should be taking it, it's somebody who can rationalize it as, we did this to keep Luka happy and hopefully prevent him from leaving. And you got to assume that Luca signed off on it. So you can at least go like, Luca, you said you were cool with it. We did this for you. Give us another chance to, you know, find somebody. It's so funny you brought that up because I was listening to, uh, I think it was uh, the Low Post. Oh, it was Winhurst uh, brought it up. He compared the, the Luca Mavericks right now to the LeBron Cavs and how it was like, okay, we'll bring in this player. And, oh, that didn't work. Okay, we'll bring in this player. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, we'll bring in the next one. And he feels like that's kind of where the the Dallas Mavericks are now. I think it was Winhurst. I don't know. I listened to so many podcasts. Yeah. But I mean, I, think I listened to a million of them this weekend. All yeah. the people who stepped up, 
to take time out of the weekend to do emergency pods. Meanwhile, yes. I was just making my dick jokes on my little songs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is how I'm trying to bait Twitter engagement. Right? Uh, every, is you every break down you... video, and I just pander to people who hate Kyrie Irving. That's what here's, I'm. Doing. Here's the funny thing, though, Bob. Like, I don't know which one of us is more talented because I listen to every one of those, and I'm like, holy. I don't want to cuss on your pod. Holy cow. Like that's, I couldn't do that, man. Bob's got a little bit of like, he can drop some bars. He got a little bit of a rap game in him. Today I did a Valentine's themed one, which I I was pleased with how it turned out. Please send that to me so I can send it to my wife because she hates Valentine's day. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know which way you went with it, but either way it'll uh, hopefully ruin her day and, and I'll get a good laugh out of it. All right. All right. Well, Bryce, I can't thank you enough for coming on the pod with me. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game tonight, regardless of the outcome. And uh, I hope nothing but good things for the pod for the remainder of this season. And I'm hoping for some action. It doesn't have to be our teams. I just want some fireworks before the trade deadline. So absolutely. Once again, at Motor City Hoops on Twitter and uh, the Pistons Pulse podcast. Check it out. It's Bryce Simon doing uh, once a week. What days do you drop? Tuesdays. Every Tuesday morning. If, if, If you're interested, guys. The Detroit Free Press YouTube channel, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're doing a live show. Me and Amari are going to hop on. We're going to talk, obviously, Pistons, but we'll talk the trade deadline as a whole. So the Detroit Free Press, that's who Amari works for, live YouTube show, 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night. And and I heard you got merch now. We got merch, Bob. I I, I owe you some merch, man. So (laughs) we did. Yes. If you want some Pistons Pulse merch for some reason, um, you can go to the Free Press website, shop.freep.com, and get some merch. There we go. I'm a a freaking walking advertisement now, Bob. What is going on? Hey, the end of it is the time to get them up. The people have punched out already to listen to to the Chase Down guys talking with Chris Fedor. So I'll take it. I'm I'm so embarrassed of myself right now. I'm sorry everybody listening all right well bryce thank you uh for joining me hopefully uh we can do this again in the future absolutely absolutely all right okay so there we go that's the podcast for today just a look ahead to the pistons game i have got one in the clip if we do an emergency podcast due to any trades going down but with this cream puff schedule and notice i didn't say that until bryce was already gone but with this light schedule uh i felt like we could do this one before the game because I didn't want to bring Bryce on after what I expect to be a drubbing by the Cavaliers. Fingers crossed. Anyway, so thank you for joining me on the Fear the Fro podcast. And if you do anything to support this podcast, to support Bryce's podcast, The Pistons Pulse, please leave a review, leave a rating. It helps. It definitely plays a part in getting it seen by more people and making sure that my slanderous songs about Kyrie Irving make it to as many eardrums as is humanly possible. I am Bob Schmidt, the voice of Fox Sports Radio, lifelong Cavs fan, and this is the Fear of the Fro podcast. Happy pre-Valentine's Day. I'll go out the same way I came in. K-Y-R-I-E. A love song. The Kyrie KD era now appears to be over. It's over. K is for the way I kill your dreams. Why do you I would help your team Are you really desperate? I am the guy to test it E is even more dysfunction Kicking in the door And I bring chaos everywhere I go Are you ready for goodwill? 
to implode. V-I-N. Vax, I'm not doing. No. All your dreams, they lay in ruin. G. G. Because I blame the Jews. Um, it's spelled with a J. J? No, that's not how it's spelled. I really don't think that. That's a, that's a global conspiracy. Everybody knows it's spelled with a G. I saw it on Alex Jones, you sheeple. Ha ha! Happy Valentine's Day and remember, love yourself most of all.